take your Bibles, hope you have a copy of God's Word with you. Take your Bible and turn to Psalm 13. Psalm 13. There are uh, Christians, some of you may find this a little surprising, some of you won't, but there are Christians who this week, even today, feel like God has abandoned them. They don't sense God anywhere, they don't see God in anything, they don't feel close to God at all. And for some of these Christians, uh, coming to church, participating in worship, even hearing preaching doesn't help them feel any closer to God. In fact, it can actually intensify that feeling of being distant from God because they feel like everyone around them is experiencing something that they're not. You can be saved, have all of your sins forgiven, have faith in Christ, and be on your way to heaven, and yet have this experience of feeling like God has left you. I know that's the case not just because I have spoken to these people many times, but because the Bible gives us prayers for when we feel like God has abandoned us. And the Bible would not have left us these kinds of prayers if God's people never felt that way. So what we're going to be looking at tonight is just that. We're going to be talking about praying in the dark. That's my first title. My second title is How to Talk to a God That You Feel Like Has Left You. Psalm 13. If you found your place, let's look together beginning in verse 1. David writes, How long... Wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest mine enemies say, I have prevailed against him. And those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord, because he hath dealt bountifully with me. Would you bow for just a word of prayer? Father, use your word 
to accomplish your work in the hearts of your people tonight. The things we don't know, use your word to teach us. The things that we don't have yet, use your word to give us. And what we are not, use your word to make us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've ever used Google Maps, you know that it's helpful to have directions to get somewhere that you don't know how to arrive at. I have thought about the benefits of taking a break from my smartphone. But there's one thing that's really handy on there, especially for someone like me who is directionally challenged, even in a town as small as our own, I need that GPS. I need it. I am very forgetful. And when it comes to navigating roads and where to turn and where not to turn, and especially if I go out of town, I'm lost. We don't know how to get to certain places, and therefore we need maps, right? Well, the Bible has given us the Psalms because we don't know how to pray. We don't know how to pray from different life circumstances. And so the Bible, in this book of Psalms, which is, by the way, the largest book in the Bible, tells us how we can get to prayer, how can we get to a conversation with God, no matter where our starting point is. So for our worries, there are Psalms of trust. So you can pray from your worry. If you're worried, you don't think, well, I can't talk to God right now, I'm worried. No, there are actually, there's a list of psalms. There's a whole genre of psalms for worried people. They're called psalms of trust. If you have a big decision coming up, there are psalms of wisdom that help you ask God for wisdom when you face big life decisions. If God has blessed you, In great ways, there are psalms of gratitude that help you take those blessings from God and turn those into prayers. In his uh, book on the psalms, one of my my favorite books on the psalms is by Eugene Peterson. It's called Answering God. He writes, no matter where we are when we pray, the the psalms give direction so we can encounter God. Without the psalms... We are in danger of praying only to a God who speaks what we like hearing or to the part of God we manage to understand. But what is critical is that we speak to the God who speaks to us and in our speaking mature in the great art of conversation with God, that is prayer. Something that Peterson's getting at is our conversations with God can be to a different version of God without the Psalms informing the way we talk to him. So there's all these different genres of psalms, and each different type of psalm is a different map to show us how you can get to a conversation with God no matter where you're at. Well, in Psalm 13, the psalmist is in the dark. He feels like God has abandoned him. He can't see God. There's this language of uh, needing light. He doesn't have a vision of God. That is, he looks at his life, he looks at his surroundings, he looks at his kingdom, and he, it, God just doesn't factor in. God's blessings seem to be absent. God's favor seems to be absent. God's love for him is just nowhere to be found. So how do we talk to God when you feel like that? 
How do you and I have a conversation with a God that we feel like isn't even there for us? When the deepest part of us is hurt so badly, we feel abandoned by our creator. How do we pray in the dark? Well, Psalm 13 is going to help us do that tonight. You'll notice in verse 1 that David uh, is having one of his trials. And he had a lot of them. In fact, David had so many painful circumstances in life, no one really knows when Psalm 13 was penned. Because if you look at the biography of David, there's all these different points of suffering where Psalm 13 could fit in. In fact, there's so many times where these words seem appropriate that Old Testament scholars are like, we have no idea which circumstance fits this best. He went through so much suffering so many times where he could have felt abandoned. So many times when he was talking to God in the dark that we don't know when this took place. Of course, we have those times too, don't we? David is going through an experience that makes him ask this question, how long? How long? David's going through something that seems like it's going to go on forever. David's life had many dark chapters. Sometimes his own sin. Sometimes betrayal by his family. Saul hunted him down. Foreign armies were always after him. So whatever's going on here, it seemed like there was a gap between God's promises and David's circumstances. Have you ever felt that gap? Have you ever felt the gap between how God has said he is going to be there for you And how your life really feels. Of course, we can know intellectually that God is still there for us. And if we're sitting in Sunday school and the teacher asks, is God there for you? We'll shoot up our hand and say, yes, teacher, he is. But we can feel like he's not. And in fact, we can be in a moment where we want to ask God, how long? How long are you going to let this go on? David's having a how long moment. We know that David no longer feels the favor of God. He feels that all hope was lost, that he was at the end of his rope. His situation became so unbearable, he feels forgotten by God. And that's why the psalm is written, as you'll notice, in the imagery of darkness. As if David is surrounded by physical darkness. He can't find God, can't see God, can't touch God. There's no light. God's face is turned away. His presence, it seems, is gone. So how do you talk to God at a time like this? How do you talk to God when the lights go out? Now, there's different ways this can happen to us. Uh, If we come to Psalm 13 and we think this is only applicable for people going through exactly what David is going through, well... Most of us aren't going to be able to identify with it. We're not warrior kings in the Middle East who had spears thrown at us by our best friend's dad. Now, maybe you have had that experience. If so, you should pray the psalm. (laughs) Most of us haven't been through the exact kind of things that David went through. 
And yet, we can also have things that happen to us that make us feel like God is not there for us. It could be a, an all-at-once devastating tragedy. Losing a job. It just comes crashing down on you. Could be your health. You get a bad report. You thought you were healthy. You thought you were doing well, but the blood work says otherwise. Or they found something. You get one of those voicemails from a nurse at your doctor's office that said, we found something that the doctor would like to talk to you about. Call us back. Then you start sweating. Could be your spouse has told you that they don't know if they want to continue the marriage anymore. Maybe you have adult children and they've let you know that they're not interested in you having any part in their kids' lives. You're going to be cut off from your grandkids. There are a lot of trials like that that, that happen all at once, but many, perhaps most of our trials are more, uh, they're kind of slow burning, Right? Relationship difficulties, financial difficulties, uh, perhaps a crisis of faith. You don't even know if you believe in God anymore. Those things often don't happen all at once. They, they slowly build over time. And you get to the point where you realize you've been suffering for a long time and didn't even know it. And now you feel like God has left you. What is going on in your life tonight that makes you feel like God isn't there for you? What has God allowed to happen in your life that you just can't understand? And you think there's no way he has a good reason for letting this happen unless he just hates me. What's that thing for you? Well, no matter what it is for you, we can talk to God through that. So we're going to look at our map in Psalm 13 and there's really three parts to this. The the first thing David does, and the first thing that we should do when we pray in the dark, is admit your feelings. Admit your feelings. Look at verses number, uh, verse numbers one and two. He says, how long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? The first thing that David does in his prayer is pour out his complaints to God. He's frustrated, upset, angry, not just at his circumstances. Not even just at at his enemies. He's actually upset at God. Are you okay with that? There's a lot of things In the Psalms, that would make us very uncomfortable if someone said out loud in a prayer, like in a Bible study group. There's a lot of Psalms, and if we didn't know they were Psalms and people started quoting them, we would be like, how dare you say that to God, right? But these kinds of prayers are in the Bible. Some of us have, our view of God is so paper thin, we think he can be just blown over by something that's a little too offensive, So we only save the nice flowery things to tell him. The Psalms of praise, we like those. Psalms of lament, we have a much more difficult time with. Even if if you look at hymn books, there usually aren't lengthy lament sections, right? We like to have the, the rejoicing sections and the praise sections, but a lot of us aren't comfortable with complaining to God. It just sounds bad. 
There's one exception, by the way, which is the African-American spiritual. The majority of those were laments, which actually matches the Psalms. About two-thirds of the Psalms are lament, a much more biblical set of music, perhaps. But David is really honest here. In fact, he's so honest it can make us uncomfortable. David is, he's sort of accusing God of some things here. He's accusing God of some things like forgetting him. Forgetting him. Now, if you pay attention to how people talk about their feelings, there there are often two extreme practices here. Secular people tend to announce and publicize their feelings. Go to social media. You will find out I'm correct. And there is often like a perceived inherent value in just telling the world how you feel. Like you're courageous for doing so, right? Secular people announce their feelings. Often conservative Christians go in the other direction and they just stuff their feelings. And they don't talk about them. They don't talk about them. Not only do they not talk about their feelings to other Christians, they don't talk about them to God. And there are some Christian men who feel like it is somehow feminine or effeminate to talk about their feelings with other men. It's not true. David talks a lot about his feelings, right? David talks a lot about his feelings, and you, if, if you've read any of the stories of the life of David, he was not effeminate. I mean, at all, right? This dude was a warrior. But not only did he talk about his feelings, he talked about them to God. And so the, the Psalms really don't go in either of those directions. They don't just say, share your feelings with the world and be proud of yourself for doing so. Just, just vent whatever you're feeling, vent your emotions. Nor do they say, stuff your emotions and forget about them. Rather, the Psalms teach us to take our emotions into our prayers and give them to God. It's not venting them into the air, nor is it just repressing them. No, we we pray them. We pray them. That's how the Psalms, what the Psalms teach us to do, especially Psalm 13. So, all right, David is honest about his feelings. He's admitting his feelings here. How does he feel? Well, he feels forgotten by God. He feels forgotten by God. That's why in verse 2, he says he is his own uh, soul counselor, right? There's no other counselors. In other words, God is not giving David any counsel. If David's going to get wisdom, if he's going to get advice, if he's going to go to someone for help, who does he go to? Verse 2, his own soul. He, He feels like he can't go to God anymore. David is saying, I used to be able to talk to God. I used to be able to ask God for wisdom. I used to know that God was for me, that he cared about me, and I'd go talk to him. Now all I can do is talk to myself because God has forgotten me. That's how he feels. Hold on a second. Was this true? Was David really his own counselor? Was David really forgotten? Verse, the end of verse 2, were, were David's enemies in the end exalted over him? No. It's not true. It's not true. And David, there was probably a part of David that knew this wasn't true. But it doesn't change the fact that David felt that way. It doesn't change the fact that David felt that way. You see, God is teaching us here, and man, this is amazing. I think if we really got this, if we really internalized it, it would radically change our prayer lives. Okay? Here it is. God is teaching us here that we can admit 
all of our feelings to him in prayer, even if some of those feelings don't match reality. David is telling God that he feels forgotten by him. Is David forgotten by God? No. Did God still want David to tell God he felt that way? Yes. Yes. Did you know you don't have to filter out all of your emotions before you spend time with God in prayer? You know you don't have to take like a theological quiz and go through the inventory of all your thoughts before you talk to God and are honest with him? Did you know that God has wide enough shoulders, as it were, to hear out your feelings, even if some of them are bad ideas? Did you know God can handle that? Does your vision of God, and your vision of God, the way you imagine the God that you pray to, or let's talk about this, the God you don't pray to, can he handle those things? Or is that just too much for him? Well, the God of Psalm 13, here's, here's the great news. He can handle it. God can handle your feelings. Not only can he handle your feelings, he has left these inspired words meant to be prayed back to him because he actually wants to hear your feelings, even the ones that don't match up with reality. Man, that's amazing. That's amazing. Does the God that you pray to or have neglected praying to look like this? David feels forgotten by God, feels abandoned by God, feels like his enemies are getting the upper hand, and here's where he begins. He tells God how he feels. D- did you know um, the, different, the main difference between your close friends and uh, the, the friends that aren't so close is that uh, your close friends, you trust them enough where you can tell them how you feel? You've noticed that, haven't you? Now, there will be some acquaintances or maybe fringe friends that are friendly people. They're just not like super invested in your life. And they'll ask you how you're doing. And, and you'll tell them, I'm doing great. And inside you're thinking, I'm doing terrible. But I'm not going to say that to that person. Just because you don't trust them yet, right? That's okay. When your close friend asks you how you're doing, you tell them. Why is that? You trust them enough that you know they can handle what's really going on in your soul. So let me ask you this. The way that you pray to God, does it reflect that he is one of your close friends? Does your prayer look like this? I'm doing great! Is that how you talk to God? Well, it doesn't have to be how we talk to God, does it? And we admit our feelings. But of course, we don't end with admitting our feelings. Like I said, the the secular people who don't have a relationship with God just sort of vent their emotions. And if you're thinking that's what lament is, then, well, that's not the whole picture. We start with admitting our feelings, but then look at verses 3 and 4. Not only does David admit his feelings, but he requests God's help. So if you want to talk to God When you feel like he's abandoned you, if you want to pray in the dark, you admit your feelings, but then you request his help. And notice that these two cries for help in verse 3, consider me, hear me. God is David's only hope. David, even though he feels abandoned by God, still asks for God's help. By the way, do you know the difference between doubt and unbelief? Unbelief doesn't see God and isn't looking for God. 
That's unbelief. Doubt doesn't see God, but is looking for God. You know, the difference between Herod and John the Baptist was, Herod didn't believe uh, Jesus was the Messiah and didn't want to believe it. John the Baptist was having trouble believing Jesus was the Messiah, but he wanted to believe it. And that's why he sends, he sends his men and he says, hey, g- give me a report. Go talk to Jesus. Go see what's going on. Why? Because he wasn't unbelieving. He was doubting. Unbelief is the opposite of faith. Doubt is not the opposite of faith. Just because you're doubting doesn't make you an unbeliever. So here we see with David, though he is experiencing doubt, he's not experiencing unbelief. How do we know that? Because even though he tells God that he feels like he's been abandoned by him, he goes on to say, God, consider me. God, hear me. He's still talking to God and asking him to help him. Because he's a doubter. He's not an unbeliever. He doesn't see God, but he's looking for God. He wants to see God. David knows that God is working. He just doesn't understand how. He can't connect the dots. It doesn't seem like God is on his side, but David obviously believes that God is on his side deep in his soul because he asks God to consider and hear him, right? Doubt is not the opposite of faith. If you're in the darkness, that doesn't make you unbelieving. It just means you're in the darkness. So what do you do? Well, after you admit your feelings, you reach out to God and ask him to help you. Well, why would I do that if I can't see him? Because you can still trust him even when you can't see him. You can still trust God even if you are unable to demonstrate how he is keeping his promises at the moment. Did you know, you may have a hard time, because of what's going on in your life right now, you may have a hard time believing God's promise when he says, I'm going to take all things that happen to you and make them work out for good. You may have a hard time seeing, because the all things in your life may be a lot different than the all things in my life, or the all things in the life of someone sitting beside you tonight. You may have a hard time knowing how God is going to take all of those things and make it work out in such a way where you become more like Jesus. But did you know you can still believe he's going to do that even if you can't explain how he's going to do that? David doesn't feel like God is helping him, but he still asks for God's help. So we admit our feelings, we request God's help. And then number three, look at verses five and six down at your Bibles. Not only does David admit his feelings and he asks for God's help, but number three, he trusts God's love. He trusts God's love. Verses five and six get get really positive, like out of nowhere, all of a sudden. But I've trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. Wait, wait, why is David rejoicing? Does, do his problems go away? I mean, did, did he utter out the words of verses 3 and 4 and all of a sudden David took care of all his problems and everything's good to go? No. No. Why the language then? How can he say my heart shall rejoice? David, listen, David is telling himself to rejoice. He is deciding that he is going to rejoice, not in his circumstances, but in God's salvation. He's going to rejoice in it. His problem did not go away. His prayers did not force God's hand and make God help him. Verses 3 and 4 
are not some sort of magical incantation that, that, that forces God to do David's will. That is how the pagans that lived around David prayed. They thought, we can do certain things, and then the gods will have to do certain things back to us. And this is how some Christians pray, un- unfortunately. They think, I can, my words have power, and if I pray, then God will have to do certain things for me. But God isn't like that. God cannot be brought under our control. So even though David prayed and asked for God's help, his situation is still not very pretty. And yet, and yet, he still trusts in God's love. He still trusts in God's love. If David's problem is still there, why this confidence? Why this rejoicing? David, what are you finding joy in if you feel like God has abandoned you? David, what are you finding joy in if you feel like God's left you in the dark? If you feel like God isn't there for you anymore? What in the world are you finding joy in? Verse 6, I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. Verse 5, he is rejoicing in his salvation. Look at the beginning of verse 5. He is trusting in his mercy. In his mercy. David knows Enough about God, both from his past, verse 6, how God has dealt with him, and he knows enough about God in his future mercy that God, in the end, will not be like how David feels like God is in the moment. Did you catch that? God, David knows that in the end, God is not going to live up to the caricature that David's experience has drawn. He knows that God, please, please get this, please get this. He knows that God is infinitely better than David's current feelings about God. Do you know, do you know, Christian, tonight that God is better than how you feel about God in your darkest moments? Do you know that God is not confined to the limited imaginations of your heart when you're going through a trial? Is your God big enough to break outside of that? Did you know there could be true things about God that you may not be experiencing right now, but they're still true of him? David knows that. How is David seeing God's mercy? He's not right now. He's not seeing it. That's pretty clear. He's not feeling God's mercy, but he trusts in it. He trusts in it. Do you? Do you? Do you trust that God is bringing mercy, is bringing salvation, even if you can't see it? Do you trust that it's possible, that it's possible that God is doing more in your life than what you feel like he's doing? David knows this. David knows this. And that is why David is able to end this psalm in rejoicing. This isn't a happy-go-lucky, everything's okay, everything's better kind of rejoicing. This is, my life is still pretty miserable right now, but I'm going to rejoice in God's mercy. I'm going to find joy in God's salvation because I know he is bigger than my circumstance and that he is greater than my feelings about him at the present moment. Perhaps tonight you're having a hard time reconciling God's promises with your circumstances. 
I mentioned earlier that sometimes it's hard for us to believe that God is going to take all things and work them together for our good. Maybe it's another promise. It could be the promise of your justification. If you're a Christian, if you're repenting of your sin and believing on Jesus, God promises you that you are just, that you are perfectly legally righteous in his sight. But your darkness right now is that you are eaten up with guilt and shame because of past sins. You see what the Bible says about your justification? And then you look at the guilt and shame that you're experiencing and you're like, there's no way that God really looks at me that way because this is how I feel about myself. It could be God's promise to you that he's never going to leave you or forsake you. You know that's in the Bible. You know he's promised that to his people. But you may be looking at your life and thinking, if I have not been left or forsaken, why am I feeling this way? How in the world is this possible if God still kept that promise? What is it in your life tonight that makes you ask God, how long? God, how long are they going to do that to me? How long are you going to let this happen? God, how long are you going to let me feel this way? How long? How long? When you feel like that, how do you talk to God? You admit your feelings honestly to him. You ask for his help. And then in the end, you trust his love. This is how we talk to the God that we feel like abandon us. This is how we talk to God when we're in the dark. Musicians can go ahead and, and come up. They're going to uh, play. We're not going to sing this evening. I'm just going to ask you to pray. I think it's fitting since our text was about prayer. I'm going to ask you to pray. And here's what I'm going to ask you to pray about. In just a moment, uh, when they start playing, I'm going to ask you to come forward. And uh, you don't have to spend a lot of time praying. I want you to do this, though. I want you to talk to God about something that you've not talked to God about. All of us, all of us, for some reason, have a short list of things that we think aren't acceptable for prayer. It could be you're feeling just like David tonight. You feel like God has abandoned you. You don't see God anywhere. You don't see God in anything. You're having trouble holding on to your faith. But even though you've shared this with others, you've thought about it yourself, you've never actually told God about that. It could be some other trial you're experiencing in your life that makes you doubt the goodness of God. That makes you wonder if he's really going to keep his promises. It could be suffering in someone else's life, someone that you care about that makes you wonder, if God is so good, why would he let them go through this? But you've never told God about that. You've never talked to him about it. Musicians can go ahead and start playing, and I want you tonight, after I pray, to just come and talk to God about the things that you've not prayed about yet. Could we do that tonight, church? Let's pray. Father, 